Welcome back. Hey, buddy. You happy to be back? Yes, I'm happy to be back with you. You've been to Denver, Colorado. Yep. Glasgow, Kentucky. Yep. And today, Owensville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. I was a, with you on that one. Yeah, I'm a touring director. Thanks for driving. I was being chauffeured in the back. Taking seat. pictures of corn. That's all there was to take pictures of. Yeah, and sending 23 text messages in our group chat. I sent a picture of corn to our wives to let them know what they were missing by not being with us on this trip today. Yeah. I think they were glad they skipped it. I'm not glad they skipped it because I enjoyed being with you and Jack. Yeah, that was fun. It's a good Wait, day. Wait, I am glad they skipped. Wait, I'm, I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan. Still can't speak. This is You'll Die Trying, by the way. Oh, yeah. I like saying that part. Just rolls off. And this is You'll Die Trying. It's good. I want to say a special thank you to Joy Carroll. Yes. Joy, thank you very much. It was really nice to listen to you speak with Dr. Carroll and listen to your Oz dynamic because it's endearing to have your voice and you all actually like each other. It was fun to hear that. And your wealth of knowledge and insight and input, Dr. Carroll is not the only intelligent one. <laughs> you know, it's like you could tell that she teaches you things too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really grateful. Uh, thank you, Joy, for being uh, for being so lovely. Such a great conversation partner. Such a great life partner. Yeah, and I, I I am actually gauging the analytics of this episode to see who the community of listeners like more because if this one doesn't get as many listens then I will resign my You're basically title. auditioning I'll, to I'm keep auditioning to keep my place. Keep your position. Yeah, so please. And I'll be making the final decision That's soon. Fine. Uh actually no, seriously thank you. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, you know it's not easy. You can ask anybody whom we have interviewed mm-hmm. or anybody who has ever done anything like this. It isn't easy just to sit down and have a microphone, you know, half a centimeter from your face and not know what's going to come up, what the question's going to be, what the topic's going to be. Because it's not scripted. We don't have talking points. We don't have we things that we do. know we're going to talk about. You just, we're just having a conversation. Right before we hit record, it's usually you that says, what are we going to talk about today? And I say, I don't know, and we hit the button. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I hit the button today. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You've got, you, you do a lot more of that now. Yeah, I've gotten it kind of worked out. That's good. Started paying attention. I don't think that you don't pay attention. I think it's just you've allowed me to do that part. Yeah, I like, you know, just I like a, you doing that. That's just nice. another sign that you're kicking me out. I read a quotation recently. I'm not kicking you out, by I'm the totally way. Totally kidding. Well, I mean, it's fine. We're going bike riding tomorrow, so whatever you decide to do after is fine too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to thank you for your gift to me of the bobblehead. Yeah, I I've never had a bobblehead of myself except of course when I played in the majors. But ever since then, I've never had a bobblehead. Look at your posture. It's stiff as a board. <laughs> it's perfect. I, mean, I, I don't It is think, so perfect. It actually is angling backwards. I don't so think much. that looks like me at all. Uh, definitely not the... Uh, uh, Let's do a poll. What's that called? The posture? Angle. 
you're angling back. I don't know where I'm. I'm going leaning with this. back like yeah, yeah. I have a huge <laughs> belly that I'm propping up. But you're so skinny. But in the bobblehead, I'm skinny, not in real life. You but in the bobblehead, I have a huge melon and a flat tush. Yeah, you have no caboose. Your arms are crossed as if to I'm say, "I'm not going mess. to be learning anything today. I'm shut down. I'm stonewalling. I am so scared." Let's take a poll. Which okay. of the two bobbleheads bears a more consistent resemblance to our actual appearance. Okay, we'll post that on facebook.com forward slash you'll die trying. Yeah, check out the picture. It's pretty hilarious. I think it's incredible. They're cute. Yeah, you should see Dr. Carroll. I took a picture of it. He didn't like it. And he was like, uh, that wasn't good enough. And so he redid it. And it's way better. What is something that you think that you are stuck in or about? Ooh. What is it that you find yourself being stuck in or about? What has you stuck? Whether it's your thinking, whether it is a behavior or a discipline or a lack of behavior or a lack of discipline, where are you stuck? Hmm. I have a couple of answers, one of which would make me extremely vulnerable. Which Let's start with that I one, don't please. want to. But you have to start getting real. I, I, I am real. I'm real hesitant to share the vulnerability. You're hesitant to share the vulnerability? Wait. You're hesitant to be vulnerable? Yeah. Well, it's okay. Risk it. We don't even I, have to publish this episode. This is just Yeah, this is me. just episode 92. Right. It's I no mean, if it makes it on air it'll be fine okay uh i am stuck right now in my faith now we're talking yeah can you say more yeah i'll join you in that i um raised catholic i am most certainly a see this is where i'm stuck because if you are a devout catholic and you are not currently attending mass on sunday regularly, then you are not honoring the Sabbath, which is the third commandment, which is actually, you know, honoring the Ten Commandments is critical in, in our practice. Right. So I am stuck because I don't go to Mass every Sunday, and as the leader of my family, as the spiritual leader in my family, I find it paramount, I find it important I'm stuck because a lot of the people who we, whom we work closely with at the funeral homes are that of spiritual leaders who have also been ones to frustrate us with, you know, hey, we're trying to schedule this service for this loved one at, you know, at, this, at your church on this time, at this day, on this day, at this time. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, they go either way to let me know we're interrupting their day off or something like that. Mm. And that's a little off-putting, you know, especially for us. Yeah, for who are there literally, is no day off. There is no day off, and we are literally at the mercy of so many people. Yeah, you're really a middle person. So I feel stuck in my faith, which then makes me feel stuck in my life in some ways because it's kind of like I feel like I'm always at the mercy of so many other people. So this is a twofer. So there you go. There's my vulnerability. So Does that really feel vulnerable to you? To say that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was raised very devout, and if you don't go to church, you are literally cut from the cloth of the Lord, and you need to go to confession, and you're going to, you know, hell until you're, yeah, it's pretty, those are the devouts. So 
Did I hear you say that it's that that fourth commandment? That I think kind of is it third or is it fourth? I said third, so I was wrong. Oh, I didn't hear that. I did. I said third. Uh, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Is the third one? Okay. Have no other gods. Don't make graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember the Sabbath. Okay. And I think that we should probably do a podcast on those because I think we've largely misinterpreted them. Mm. Like taking the name of the Lord in vain doesn't mean saying the G word as much as it means that we should stop doing things that we shouldn't be doing as if we're doing it for God. Right. Like I'm um, punching you in the face in God's name is obviously taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. Like it's a terrible example. You know, but. Um, we're, we're, we we feel that this is a commandment of God to, kick a bunch of people out of the country or launch a war, you know, things that are inherently against the grain of the gospel and of grace. And then saying that we're doing them in God's name is, I think that's what we mean by taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. But we could debate that and we, and we shall. But the fourth one, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It sounds like to me that you are believing that Roman Catholics think that that is a call to weekly worship. It, yeah, a lot of your Roman Catholics, uh, I want to say a majority of, we can't pick and choose rules. Right. So the argument uh, that one of my friends made is actually a very valid argument. It's like, hey, you have employees, right? Yep. So you have policies, procedures, rules for them, right? Yep. Do you believe that when the commandments were delivered, however that happened, because mm -hmm. of course that's that's a whole conversation right yeah. there, like what happened and how do we get those? And do you believe that church attendance is what was intended there? Me personally, no, I don't. But I guess my struggle and where I feel stuck is I want so badly to be known as someone who who does you know, love others and does his best to be Christ-like. And I want to do it right. What's the right way? I guess I'm just questioning and it's okay to question. And Father Pat has actually said some really nice things. And I've referred to him in previous podcasts about how he doesn't judge. I think I've talked about this in a previous podcast. Maybe not to this degree, but yeah, no, I don't think he so. did not condemn me in any way. Because this has been a struggle for me for about a year. I think it's just not being able to, try to find our church family too. Anyway, it's uh, it's it, it could be a touchy subject for people, especially those of you who are listening who may not have any desire to be faith based or you know have like an organized faith, and yeah. that's just important to me. Like to to, uh, I'm being pulled in some way, and I feel stuck. It's like which way am I going? I was raised Catholic. I honor my upbringing. I like uh, the teachings. I believe in. I do feel a sense of worship when I'm practicing that. And I think that's, you know, go where you feel close to, closest to God, in my opinion, whether that's sure. at the Baptist church, Protestant church, Methodist church. Different rooms of the household of faith. Yep. I had somebody come to my office recently who observed that there is a Bible, there's a copy of the Quran, there's the Bhagavad Gita, and there are, uh, there's a Buddha statue in the waiting room and there's an icon and another Buddha representation in the clinical room. And the person said, wow, this doesn't seem consistent with the general philosophy of this community. 
And I said, yeah, I think that's probably fair. And he said, it's really diverse. And he was saying it in a positive way, like he appreciated it, which, which I appreciated and I appreciated his observance of it. I think it's important to recognize that I can love my house and can go into your house and I don't have to compare your house to my house. I can appreciate that you love your house and I can appreciate the things about your house that are truly wonderful. Like the pack and play? Yeah, specifically. Mm-hmm. Without it damaging my understanding and appreciation of my own house. In the same way, I can be appreciative of your religious experience and your articulation and expression of that without needing to compare it to my own. And I can see what in your religious practice and discipline and orthodoxy has truth and beauty and wholeness in it and not feel like that takes away from anything in my home, in my particular faith. So I'm not arguing for religious relativism where we're just saying, you know, everything matters. All roads lead to one, even though I think that's probably true. What I'm saying is we can honor the differences without needing to judge or evaluate them and just be grateful that so many people experience such richness in them. Mm-hmm. Because of all the religious traditions in the world, none of them, except for Zoroastrianism, which still exists, is considered a minor religion. All of them have hundreds of millions of followers. And I'm never going to look at that and say, that's wrong. There are plenty of people who will say that, and they say that using, and and I'm going to say that there are people of all religions who would say that that that's wrong, but there are Christians who would use Jesus' own words against him, believing that, you know, he's the only way. And I don't don't think that's what that text means. We can have that conversation. It's a very fascinating one. Um, We have to remember, too, that nothing that we have in the New Testament was recorded in writing until 70 to 90 years after Jesus had lived and died. 70 to 90 years? Yeah. Okay. So you and I are having this conversation off mic, and we have a couple of people around us, and 70 years later, somebody writes down the contents of this conversation. It's impossible. I mean, it's not impossible, but I can tell you right now, I can literally not remember what I had for dinner two days ago. Yeah, no. Dead serious. I'm sitting here trying to think. I had prime rib at Colby's. Two days ago? Yeah. Okay. But if you ask me next week, I won't be able to write it down. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) So so what the church did to kind of um, combat that is they kind of created a theology of inspiration where the Holy Spirit inspired that. I think that's, that can be true, but I, I don't, uh, I, well, I'll just say, I think that's, that's a fascinating conversation to have. Without boring anyone, let's get back kind of to the primary thing, which is you have questions about your own faith mm-hmm. that are leading you to feel stuck. And I wonder, could the asking of the questions be evidence that you are precisely not stuck? It's just that you're in a, you have growing pains. And that's me everywhere. That's everywhere. And maybe that's okay. It's, I, maybe I, I shouldn't think it's okay. I shouldn't be looking at it as being stuck then. I don't know why I was hesitant to share that. I, I don't know. I've just have been so, uh, what's the word? 
traditional and and grew up in such a god-fearing home and do you find that you hesitate to share vulnerably across the board no when i like uh write songs and so forth i love i love sharing vulnerable 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 work Mm -hmm. um no i think I, that, I feel more of, vulnerable on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think I feel more vulnerable on the podcast with the listenership and people coming up all the time and saying they listen to stuff. I mean, that's yeah. Well, and you're not you're not hidden behind the cloak of creativity and no and metaphor and euphemism and idiom like you would be in songwriting or poetry. Mm-hmm. Like this is raw, uncut, unedited. Hot. Here's what you are. This Here's is a conversation that my friend Dr. Carroll is having with me. Yeah, and it just so happens that, that we're, we're recording, recording it, and that makes it vulnerable. Because if we sit at your island, at your kitchen, I'll sit there all day long and sling, you know, truths out, and you won't judge me. But okay. because there are other people listening, you might fear that yeah. there's judgment there. Yeah. So what would it mean to you if that were true? See, that doesn't not really a big deal though because i know people are judging me i've just said a bunch of stuff oh yeah you rattled you rattled some major cages people are are picketing and their torches lit ready for you (laughs) but you know remember that i come to all of that and it's a lot deeper than and beyond that like that's Mm -hmm. just like scratch and sniff that's nothing to do with the iceberg loved those stickers oh i loved it and wasn't it so (laughs) So cool when the teacher would put it on your you know like super job scratch and sniff and it would be great and i'm I'm like wow (laughs) she loves me i told you that that's how my clothes are because joy is so kind to do the laundry and she puts those downy beads Oh my gosh. Fabric softening yes. beads. <laughs> and a... when you scratch, wow. that is so smells funny. amazing. One anyway, t- one time, uh, Wendy, who watches the boys and she's so awesome to do laundry, she took, she doesn't measure the beads and just goes ham with them. Ham. Crazy with them. And she like poured half of a thing in there. It was so disgusting. We had to rewash. It was so intense. It I like burned your was, eyes. Yeah, kind that of was thing. pretty intense. It was bad. It was our sheets. So, so yeah, I, ra- I occasionally will rattle some cages. And I just wanted to say, remember that, you know, this comes after I grew up in a particular tradition that was fa- a certain way. I would say very conservative in the truest sense of that word, conserving a tradition. And I have come through years and years and years and years and years of study of original languages and hermeneutics, which is like the art of interpretation. and Hermeneutics? Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Uh, based on Hermes, which is the Greek god, for, the messenger god, the, the winged heel, Hermes, hermeneutics. The wings that had wings on their heels? Yeah. That's in the movie Hercules? That's, yeah. That's, Since it was seriously that like... That was the messenger god. Yep. And the message is the text. And so hermeneutics is the interpretation of that text. So that's the study of biblical interpretation, hermeneutics. And when you study that, you realize there's a lot going on. There are layers upon layers upon layers of meaning within each particular verse or pericope or larger passage. And after years of study, and and you, you kind of come to understand, wow, this is thick. It's not like God said it 
the Bible proves it and that settles it or whatever. It's a lot deeper than that. So it's not like I come to this stuff lightly. But when I say this stuff, I know that people are going to say, oh, that's, I disagree or whatever. But it doesn't seem to, I don't seem to mind. And I guess I want to invite you to consider sharing without fearing that yeah. people will. When I think about that, care. though, like being, it, it's really funny because I, I get to the point of thinking, oh, people might care and I don't care. So I'm at a weird spot. Maybe I'm at a growing pain spot. And we were talking also very, very briefly. And I think another place I feel stuck in my leadership is when do you put things into practice? We, uh, I kind of skated on that this yeah. afternoon on the drive, this morning on the drive, and I was just thinking, when do you put stuff into practice? Right. Well, I think it's pretty um, clear from today's conversation, conversation that patience is a virtue here. What is that? What's patience? I know. I know. Well, because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm similar in that when I get into something, I get it. I'm all in. All I want to do it. I want to do it now. I want to yeah. move on to the next thing. And the reality is when you're talking about processes, major processes that involve major transitions, not only of how we do things, but how we think about and articulate things, it's important that we do that really well, right. that we make one transition and then it be as seamless as possible. And to have to make that transition multiple times and correct multiple errors means we just, we were probably hasty. So we probably shouldn't unroll in two weeks. I think we probably should push the pause button. <laughs> okay. Until we know, we see the whites of the eyes of the completion of the, of the construction. And we know... You know, we're two weeks, three weeks from move-in. Okay, now it's time. All right, well, I better send a text. Yeah. Guys, gals, we literally, just so you know, made a very huge business decision on the podcast. Yeah. And you have no idea what I'm necessarily, we're necessarily talking about, but that's okay. We just did. So I want to go back to vulnerability. Something we talk about do. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. And ask you what it is you think you hide from the most. Feeling. No, I'm, that's total joke. <laughs> I'm feeling. The Buddhists say there's no such thing as kidding. Well, I don't even know what that would have meant. I was trying to think of something funny. Is that really in my subconscious? Of course I love to feel. I love feeling. I love feelings. I do. I, I like feeling. I like happy. I do. I don't like sad, but that who does? I think that's a big problem. Why? I don't want, I feel sad for other people and that makes me sad for them. Gosh, you just opened a can. It's not about me or them. Me. It's not about me. Well... I agree. Nobody likes to feel sad. Or I, anxious or stressed. And I think because we do label those as negative emotions, we aren't adequately prepared for how to handle them. Yeah. So when they hit us, oftentimes we need help from someone to help us interpret that. Yeah. Because uh, we have not allowed ourselves to welcome whatever emotion we're experiencing. If we're grieving, 
We don't like the feeling. We feel lost, emptied, disoriented, confused, isolated, alienated, alone. Who likes any of those things? Maybe it isn't about liking, though. Right. Maybe it's about learning how to walk in those darknesses so that when those things happen, we know the territory. Can I do a PSA right now? Hey, if you're in a salty mood, don't don't project that on people. I hate that. That's gross. What to what are you referring? It, like coworkers, people, and I'm generally speaking. Like if if you go into the gas station to buy a Coke, and the guy behind the counter is a salty man or woman, like don't project that on me. You know, like be able to get outside of yourself. Can you I know? add another? Yeah, an intelligent, an no, intelligent. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just another leg mm-hmm. to the journey. If someone does make that projection. Of salt, you have to say salty projection. You have to say, we're, we're talking about saltiness now. Okay. Uh, just, you know, reject the delivery. Don't accept it. Be you. Mm-hmm. Continue to feel what you feel. You know, your mood doesn't have to change because someone else is has simply return the shipment hmm. return to sender rts people project all the time i think people 75% of the time are projecting i used to never notice it until you brought it up it's kind of like that obnoxious noise in the corner that's like high pitch that a lot of people don't pay attention to and all of a sudden you're like do you all hear that you can't stop can't listening. Not hear it. Like the arrow in the FedEx logo. Yeah, you can't not see it now. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good example. But you always, not always. Wait, no, not always. You mentioned something about projection and how I was projecting on you one time, and I was like, "Well, I was. I never recognized what that was." And then when people come to me, I'm like, "They're projecting." <laughs> like I feel so profound, intelligent, <laughs> so intelligent. I think seventy five percent of the time, that's what people are doing. Projecting. Yes. I think when people come to you with a concern, mm-hmm. you do well, one would do well to push pause and ask oneself, is there a possibility that this may not have anything to do with me? Or at least doesn't have only to do with me. And more times than not, you immediately get on your cell phone and text somebody about the situation at hand and then it's projecting that concern, that issue, that Then you're anxiety. triangling. Yep. Triangulation is another one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. God, this podcast has made me smart. You know, emotional processes like relationships of all sorts are so complicated. Human beings are very complicated in their relationship systems. We just don't do very well because we're oh we're just so afraid afraid of being wrong afraid of looking bad afraid of making poor decisions afraid of not being connected enough or being too connected are you afraid of being wrong what tell me what you mean by being wrong i don't know that i've ever experienced that <clears throat> I thought you were being serious for a second, not to that point, but <laughs> I'm not I was like, what do you mean? Afraid, do you mean no, I'm being allergic wrong? to being wrong. I hate it. You hate being wrong? Yeah, I think I would. I think it's funny. I don't care anymore. Used to, Megan would say, you hate being wrong. I don't care now. You really don't? Uh, n- well, I'll take that back. I'll go deeper. <laughs> no, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna, 
I think whenever it becomes something from a leadership standpoint, if I'm wrong about something, I don't mind to admit it. I was wrong last night. When? We were sitting around the, the family table. It was the supper time. Uh, do you say dinner or supper? Both. Uh, it was supper time of the night, the first night of the day of the first day back at school. I'll get it out in a minute. First day back at school, supper time. Aunt, moms, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, second cousin twice removed. Yeah, well, mom's sister's brother's aunt would be mom's aunt too, because they're mom's sister's oh, brother. Also, I can't believe you actually followed that. It's family systems. I have to pay attention to that stuff. The first dinner, we were talking about something. And I had made a statement, and three or four of the five people around the room communicated to me that that wasn't true. And I thought about it, and I was like, you're right, that isn't true. I was, I'm wrong. I was standing up, sitting down when I, I remember saying, I'm wrong, I was wrong. I was like, God, it's so liberating. Yeah. really is. It's liberating to say I was wrong. And it, I don't think there's anything more annoying about me yeah, my snoring. But that doesn't affect me. It does affect joy, and that affects me. But I think the other thing that's most annoying about me is the <laughs> fact that I have a really hard time admitting being wrong. I did not know that about you, Dr. Carroll. It's just immaturity. You are not immature. I, no, of course I am in certain areas. <laughs> yeah, we are. I should see our texts. <laughs> <laughs> when it's just the two of us driving in a car, and we're, yeah, there's definitely some so dumb. immaturity. We're so dumb. We resort back to our middle school selves. I don't know if that's even middle school. I don't even know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I want Sorry. I do want to encourage you to not worry about being right or wrong. I don't think there's much about that that's redemptive. I think just, you know, do your best. Not just do your best. Do your best. Forget the rest. And and be forgiving of yourself. Yeah. Let let it let it go in the words of Elsa. It's good to be back in this warm, nice podcast chair and office with you. I think that we should commit to deeper and greater vulnerability in this space. I agree with that. I will work on that. To those of you who are listening, we thank you. I hope you do too. Please know that it's okay to be wrong. Admitting it is actually liberating. I'm wrong. You know what I'm wrong about? What? A lot of things. I was trying to think of something really witty that I'm wrong about right now. I want you to set yourself free from the expectations that you have to be a certain way within your faith. It's faith. The whole point of it is it's a journey without maps. It's whistling in the dark sometimes. Don't worry about anybody else's uh, beliefs or rules. It's not about rules. It's not an intellectual assent to a set of ideas. It's a matter of the heart. Just love us through it, people. Right? It, number 92. I'm Nathan. I'm Jonathan. 